Welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. In this episode of our Meet Your Match series, AMA senior news writer Brendan Murphy interviews Dr. Allison Schmidt, a first-year obstetrics and gynecology resident at Michigan Medicine. Dr. Schmidt shares her experience assessing residency programs in a remote setting, questions to ask in virtual interviews, and how to determine if an in-person visit is needed. Here's senior news writer Brendan Murphy. Hello, and welcome to Meet Your Match, a special series on making the rounds by the American Medical Association. I'm Brendan Murphy, senior news writer here at the AMA. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Allison Schmidt, a first-year obstetrics and gynecology resident at Michigan Medicine. Dr. Schmidt, thank you so much for being here with us. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. We are so thrilled to have you, and today we are going to talk about virtual interviews, more specifically, the process of assessing residency programs in a remote setting and how to determine whether an in-person visit is needed. To start off, Dr. Schmidt, can you tell listeners a bit about your background as a residency applicant and how you navigated residency selection without going on campuses and visiting programs directly? Sure. So I applied last cycle um, in the 2021, 2022. Um, I, at that time, it was uh, planned to be all virtual. So I knew going into it that all of my interviews and everything would be virtual. And at least there had been one year under our belt of virtual interviews. Uh, still nerve wracking for me, though. Um, I'll say overall, I think the process as similarly as it would be in person, likely uh, was tiring, but a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of people going through the process. Um, actually, I met one of my co-residents on the interview trail and we connected over Zoom and now have ended up at the same location. So um, you can still have quite a bit of fun kind of going through that process. Well, I think that's probably welcome news to our current listeners who are applicants that there is some fun and then you can make those lasting connections. Uh, when it comes to the decision of which programs to rank, what are some of the cultural factors that influenced that decision for you? Yeah, um, a few things that I thought a lot about kind of going into the process and honestly something that I encourage everyone to, you know, take some time to try to do some self-reflection about what your core values are. Um, as I went into the process, I knew that I definitely wanted to be at an institution where I felt like there was very much a family-like atmosphere where I felt close to both my co-residents and the faculty and the program leadership. Um, it was also important to me that the program was committed to education. I think one of the things that became very obvious to me as I went through, especially the interview process, is just this idea that being a resident really is kind of a complex role where you're both a learner and an employee. And I think, you know, finding a program that at least understands that there's a dichotomy there and tries to find the right balance was really important to me. Um, I also really wanted to make sure that I was somewhere where I felt like it had a safe learning culture, somewhere I could ask a lot of questions, uh, where I didn't always have to be right, that I could, uh, you know, lean on the people around me and, and really lean on more of a team atmosphere and not feel nervous to, you know, ask or speak up when I don't know something. Um, and so those were the things that I, I had really focused on. And I think those values kind of were honed even throughout the interview process, I would say. So what questions can students ask during interviews to evaluate culture? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it. I think for me, I knew that I wanted to ask about, you know, some specific things related to relationship with program director, relationship with faculty. Um, and so I 
kind of had a sense of some questions going into it. And I think as you go through the process, you start to realize what questions kind of work and what questions don't. And so you kind of have to be adapting those as you go. But what I found was that the more that I requested specific examples, uh, I found that to be really helpful. So for example, you know, wanting to know about what the relationship is like with a program director, it's helpful to ask for specific examples where there have been program changes made that were driven by residents. And what does that process look like? And who are you talking to to be able to make change? And I also, you know, would ask about, uh, you know, what type of specific examples of things that the program director is trying to improve upon for the residents. Um, One of the things I think that can feel a little bit uncomfortable asking about is things like benefits and additional sort of day-to-day conveniences, but that really do play a big role in your life as a resident. And so, you know, figuring out ways to ask the program director and maybe what are some examples of ways that your program try to make that day-to-day more easy or easier for your residents. Um, I also think, you know, you can think about some more creative questions for some kind of challenging topics. Uh, so similar to that, if you were, you know, particularly interested in starting a family, you can think about creative ways to ask if you don't feel comfortable flat out asking if they are, uh, you know, accommodating of starting a family in residency. You can ask about things like how many people have dogs, how many people have long-term partners, Trying to kind of get at the answer without necessarily answering, asking directly can kind of be helpful in part because you can sort of sometimes avoid the canned answers as well. I also think almost as important as the questions that you ask are, you know, paying attention to some of the more subtle cues. So paying a lot of attention to body language and the way that people answer questions can be really valuable if people are somewhat avoidant of questions or don't really have good answers for, uh, you know, some questions that everyone has thought about. So, for example, if you ask, you know, what are things in the residency that you wish could change, uh, you know, if they don't have a good answer for that, then they probably aren't being, you know, honest with you. Most people have things in their program, even if they love their program, that they wish would change. Um, and so I think paying a lot of attention to that, paying a lot of attention to the way that residents interact with one another and the way that they interact with faculty, even over the Zoom setting, can be helpful, particularly in the social events that often these interviews have. Can you tell us how those social events worked virtually and what you gained from them? Yeah, I think there was a mix. Um, you know, one year into the process, I think they had gotten a little bit better, but I think we are still working through some of the kinks, I would say. The majority of those virtual social events were the night before my interviews. They were on Zoom and sometimes with breakout rooms, sometimes with larger groups. Uh, Oftentimes it was an opportunity for you to kind of say a little bit more about yourself in a more casual environment, but also get to know the residents in a more casual environment. I think that they were valuable and that sometimes you would have those kind of rare moments with a resident where you could ask your questions uh, in a without feeling kind of as nervous as you might on an interview day. Um, I really liked taking advantage of those social events to talk to the PGY1s actually at the time who are now PGY2s and to ask them, you know, questions like what were things that surprised you given that you interviewed virtually? What were things that, you know, were different for you um, than what you expected during the interview process? And so you can kind of use those as an opportunity for some of those more casual questions. 
um, I think overall they can be a little bit tiring. Um, and so, you know, even though you, you might get tired near the end of the interview season, still paying a lot of attention to those is valuable. Well, who doesn't have Zoom fatigue at this point <laughs> of our, our kind of pandemic life or our remote life? An interesting aspect of this is you had all these important cultural touchstones that you wanted to assess in a program, but you weren't visiting the programs. How were you able to do that remotely? Yeah, I think, you know, in part, it's asking those questions on interview day and being strategic with the questions that you ask and making sure you kind of know those values ahead of time. Uh, in part, I also think, you know, the benefit now that we have a couple years under our belt, I think a lot of programs have gotten better at what resources they have available online. Um, I think the, that social media is a really great tool. Obviously, you know, social media can you know, really project maybe only the positive things, but you can at least kind of see who the residents are, where they come from, uh, what types of things they're doing together. That's kind of nice to get that little look into the program. Uh, at least in OBGYN, we have the ACOG Residency Showcase, which is one week where all of the residency programs get to kind of highlight special things about their program, which I think is really helpful. I also think that you know, because we're in this virtual space, you kind of have to be strategic with using all of the resources you have available to you. And sometimes that might mean people at your institution who might have insight into these programs. So, um, you know, asking residents, faculty, other people who may have trained there or may know someone who trained there can be really beneficial. Uh, They can give you their experiences a little bit more firsthand. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Having done this all remotely and not having gone on any formal program visits, did you visit any any programs informally? What was the value of that, if so? Yeah, I never actually really visited any programs to the effect of going to the hospital or meeting any residents in person. I did, however, go to visit some cities that I was considering very heavily, um, particularly because at the time I was considering a regional change and I wanted to make sure that the cities that I was thinking about were places where myself and my partner um, would be comfortable and, and happy living in for the next four years. Um, and so I did do that uh, only with a handful of cities just to kind of get that sense, which I do think was helpful if you have the capacity to do so. I do think, you know, I was fortunate to have some time and obviously the resources to be able to visit these cities. So I don't think it's necessarily a mandatory thing, but that can be nice. Um I think, you know, when reflecting on it, I'm not sure even if I had gone into the hospitals or, um, you know, seen a little bit more of the campus, I'm not sure at the end of the day that would have made much bigger of a difference than just seeing the city itself. And you ended up in Ann Arbor at Michigan Medicine. Did you visit there? Or do you have a knowledge of the town and, and the surrounding area? 
Yeah, I have a little bit of uh, the benefit of I'm actually from Michigan, although I've spent the last decade plus outside of Michigan, so I was uh, familiar with the area. But I did visit Ann Arbor um, when I was kind of considering. Uh, so I did come to the city, and that was really nice for me just to kind of be able to put myself in those shoes and envision myself living in this place. So we've spoken offline, Dr. Schmidt, about the wisdom you've gained in your few months of residency. Uh, we kind of joked about it, but now that you are a few months into residency, what are the key points you may have overemphasized in your residency search, and are there any that you underemphasized? Yeah, I think on the whole, I think, you know, the things that I really strongly valued going through the process, I think, really end up to be true to what I value about my current program. Um, I do think that there were probably some things over and underemphasized. I think underemphasized as I went through uh, these last few months, I've realized how important it is to kind of think about the way that your program advocates for you as a resident. Even, you know, if you're very happy with your program, there are always things that, you know, you want to see change. There's always things in healthcare and medicine in general that pop up challenges that you face as a resident. And so, uh, you know, making sure that you have a residency program, program leadership, whether that's your program director or even up to the chair of the department um, advocating for you, you know, especially in the field that I'm in, uh, advocacy for our residents and our training has been very important in the last several months. Um, things that I probably also underemphasized as I went through were, you know, it sounds silly, but things like benefits and kind of those day-to-day conveniences. Um, I think that can feel a little bit uncomfortable to ask about, but, you know, things like having your meals covered or parking honestly make more of a difference to your day-to-day life than you would expect as you uh, work, you know, 80 hours a week at the hospital. Um, Things overemphasized, uh, as I'm in a surgical field, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, we think about in terms of numbers that you'll, your questions that you'll ask is in regard to maybe surgical case numbers, I think, you know, as you find, as you go through everywhere, we'll publish those on their websites, you know, those are all ACGME requirements. Um, and so every program will at least have those. And so I think sometimes those questions, I kind of felt like I overemphasized maybe some of those experience questions that either are pretty standard across programs or that you can pretty easily find on a program website. This has been really informative. You're the first guest we've had, Dr. Schmidt, who went through the whole match virtually. So it's going to be really helpful to our students who are doing that this year. Um, Before we move on, is there anything else on this topic that maybe you'd like to add that could be helpful to current applicants? Yeah, I think one of the things I've been reflecting on throughout this process, I'm a very, uh, my memory very much works by a lot of kind of sensory cues. And I think I was reflecting on the fact that as you go through this process virtually, you're really sitting in the same room with the same view. Uh, And so you don't really have those kind of memory cues of, oh, you know, I was in the city waiting in traffic. I remember sitting in this room talking to this person. I, you know, remember the flight to get there. And so I think for me, it was hard to kind of keep track of interview to interview because they were, you know, one will blend into the other by the end of the season. Um, And so my biggest recommendation, honestly, is to keep very, very good notes um, and keep track of these interviews as you go through them, particularly how you felt. How did you feel in in each interview? How did you feel interacting with each faculty member? You know, did you feel like you connected with the residents? Those notes will really help as you come to the end of the cycle and try to actually start comparing those programs, especially because as you go through those early interviews, you might have, you know, 
been blown away by an aspect of a program that as you go through the process, you realize is actually a pretty standard feature. Um, and so you just don't know that until you kind of reach the end of the cycle. That's really interesting that uh, there's both sort of a logic aspect to it and an emotion aspect to it. And sometimes it is about how you feel during these interviews and interactions. Uh, Dr. Schmidt, I know our listeners have been so grateful to hear about your experiences and you've given us such unique insight. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I think this can be a stressful time, but I think it's always nice to hear from people who've gone through it. Yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, before the end of the tunnel, we have so many more episodes of Meet Your Match on Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. I'm senior news writer, Brendan Murphy. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.